Good afternoon again, everybody. Um, another special welcome to all guests worshiping with us, as well as those watching online. And again, a welcome to Reverend Dong, who will be leading us this afternoon. Our call to worship this afternoon comes from Matthew 11, starting at verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, lead and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is heavy, or for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.
those who are able, please rise. <clears throat> Congregation, from where does our help come? Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Amen. Now let's sing together Psalm 150, stand one and two. before our God in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for being the God who is faithful, the God who never rests or sleeps. You are indeed El Shaddai, the one, the only Almighty. Thank you for saving us from the hell of eternal death through the death of your only Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. It's in Christ you have forgiven all our sins. In Christ we now become your covenant children heading the heaven of eternal happiness. We praise you, O Lord, O Heavenly Father, for in your grace and love we have, you have granted us 
such an incredible and invaluable treasure, salvation, which is not what we deserve. Lord, we come to your holy temple the second time after a week of busy work, a week of busy life, and all kinds of struggles in the secular world. We come here to you to worship you, to listen to your word, to find rest, and to recharge us in your word. Lord, your word is powerful and can revive the soul. It's our spiritual food, our energy, our strength. Lord, we come to you also to confess our sins and shortcomings that we committed last week and seek your forgiveness. Oh Lord, we are still in the situation, like Apostle Paul says, in our sinful nature, for we have the desire to do what is good, but we cannot carry it out, for we do not do the good we want to do, but the evil we do not want to do. This we keep on doing. Please help us fight this battle and please let your spirit continue renewing our hearts, equipping us so that we may not give in but fiercely fight the sins with confidence for Christ has won the battle for us. Lord, may you also grant the wisdom and ability to your servant who preaches your word so that he will only boldly proclaim what you want us to hear, your truth, but not what he wants us to hear, his personal view. May we all listen to your word attentively and apply to it our lives this week and the following days. May you be with us and bless, bless this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scripture reading is from Genesis chapter 39, from verse 1 to verse 23. As we read, we shall pay particular attention to the first 15 verses of this, this chapter because these verses are also the base for the sermon. Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had, had been brought down to Egypt. Pontifer, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did so succeed in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house 
and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he, was put ever, he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in the house than I am, nor has he kept back anything for me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she called him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called the man of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her, by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the, the words that his wife spoken, spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was, kin was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where king's prisoners were conf confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keepers of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything 
that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him was with him and whatever he did the Lord made it succeed so far with the scripture reading now let's respond by saying Psalm 139 stand 1 and 4 Psalm 51 stands for Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to the dictionary, integrity is the quality of honesty and strong moral principles. It's often defined as doing the right thing even when no one is seen. Integrity means becoming upright from the depths of our souls, not only in our actions, but more importantly, in our minds and hearts. Personal integrity means such trustworthiness and, and integrity that we are not false to trust our covenant in the face of temptation. One of the most remarkable examples of integrity in all scripture is found in Joseph in Genesis chapter 29, uh, 39. The dramatic story of Joseph's father's love and his brother's hatred Hatred is told repeatedly. 
the stories of Joseph's surprising rise to second in command in Egypt and his eventual reunion with his brothers and unification with his father are also widely known. Joseph has more stories in the Bible than his grand great-grandfather Abraham. Then what made him so special was not that he had an easy life, but that he remained faithful to God throughout his life. While many people in the Bible messed up somewhere in their lives, Joseph did not. He was faithful to God in the good, the bad, and everything. When Joseph arrived in Egypt, Pontifer bought him and made him a servant in his house. The Lord blessed Joseph, and he found favor with his master. His master put him in charge of everything he did. Joseph was young, handsome, and good-looking. Because of this, Joseph found himself in a situation where he was tempted to act in a way that would destroy his reputation, his relationship with the master, and put his life in danger if he handled it inappropriately. Joseph was faced with one of the greatest temptations imaginable. What happened? He experienced the temptation of sex. The temptation Joseph faced was hard to resist. The decisive factor for Joseph was whether to give in to lust or to remain steadfast in his faith, that is, whether to give in to sexual desire and betray his master's trust in him or remain steadfast in his faith and remain faithful to God. Joseph's temptation exemplifies how all covenant children face temptation and triumph with God's help. Joseph's story gives us the secret, secret of being hopeful. So I preach to you under this theme. Joseph's integrity in the face of temptation. Under this theme, we have three points. At first place, the temptations he faced. At second place, the choices he made. And at last place, the help he received. Now, the first point, the temptation he faces. Brothers and sisters, verse, verse 6 says, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. In addition to all of Joseph's other virtues, he was handsome. This would have been inherited from her mother, Rachel. This point undoubtedly made, Ju- made the Pontifer's wife sex- sexually attracted to Joseph because he was a handsome man. Verse 7 
tells us that this woman cast her eyes on Joseph and trying to seduce Joseph. She approached Joseph and expressed her desire for him very directly. Lying with me. The first confession of Pontifar's wife must have been flattering to Joseph. He was just a slave here. But his master's wife wanted to sleep with him. And this offer must have been very tempting to Joseph. Let's not forget, Joseph came to Pontifar's house when he was only 17 years old. At this point in the story, in the, in the story Joseph would have been somewhere 27 or 28 years old. He was young, healthy, energetic. He would have experienced all the tensions in his body and all the longings in his heart that God places in us for intimacy. <coughs> These tensions and longings are certainly not unique to young people, but they are strongest when we are young. As Joseph is right at the stage of life where the temptation is strongest, so this is a very compelling story for all these students and young people here this afternoon. We live in a culture that believes that being sexually attractive is essential for, to everyday life. If you believe that God has placed this gift within the context of a lifelong marriage commitment between husband and wife, you will be under all kinds of pressure. Joseph was thriving in his career because he was so beloved and trusted that Pontifar put him in charge of his whole household, the other servants, and all Pontifar's financial affairs. You could say this, in Pontifar's household, Joseph was in charge. Often this is when you are hard at work, in high spirits, and when temptation is most active in its many forms. You are tired and depleted. Well, your heart says, I have been working so hard, I deserve a reward. Joseph did not go looking for did not go looking for temptation and temptation came to him sometimes a person may have the desire but not the opportunity other times you can have opportunities but no desire but the power of temptation is at its height when desire and opportunity are present at the same time. It's a deadly combination. Your job sometimes makes it necessary for you to travel 
So you spend many nights in the hotels or motels. A hotel is a strange, anonymous place compared with your home. And traveling alone can make it a lonely, even when it often feels like the standard rules does not apply. Since you are alone, away from your wife, with time on your hands, this is also a time when you are most vulnerable to temptation. Sure, you can support each other with your traveling companions and watch over each other's battles with temptation. But Joseph had no one to share his struggle with. He was all alone in Egypt, without a fellow traveler by his side. This only intensified intensified the power of temptation in his heart. We all we all struggle with temptation. Though we struggle in different areas of life, we all struggle because the pull of temptation is compelling. For most of us, this would include the area where Joseph was tempted. We are all tempted sexually every day. You cannot open a magazine or a newspaper or watch TV without encountering temptation. You will be tempted in your thoughts. You may even be tempted to act on it. It's a temptation that exists for young people and never really disappears as we age as well. Some of us have other struggles. Some people don't struggle as much with sex, but are tempted in other ways. In short, the evil knows what it can tempt you with. He will find another if one thing doesn't work until he finds your vulnerable area. So temptation is powerful. In this case, Pontifer's wife was very persistent. For in verse 10 tells us that he said this to Joseph every day, day after day. Later, this woman grabbed Joseph's clothes to force him to have sex with her. This was not a brief temptation. It was a relentless campaign. It's not difficult to resist a fleeting temptation, but it wears you down when it grants you daily, always in front of you. We can overcome temptation today, but tomorrow it will come back again. This is the battle we face every day. We will live with this battle for the rest of our lives. We must realize that facing temptation is not a sin. Even Jesus was tempted. You and I will be tempted 
for the rest of our lives. Temptation is persistent. We face it every day indeed. Also, Joseph was a slave. If his uh, mistress wanted him to do something, he had little choice. So Potiphar's wife could flirt with Joseph if she liked, make a subtle or not so subtle sexual advances. She could wear provocative clothes and exotic perfumes when Joseph was around. She could do all of this if she wanted to. It's a power move. A superior telling a subordinate what he must do. Pontifar's wife says to Joseph, Line with me. This is not a provocative tease. This is not a proposal from one adult to another. It's a command. Today, we call it sexual harassment. People in positions of power may use that power to gain sexual privilege. It can happen between a teacher and a student, a pastor and a church member, or a boss, a secretary, or worst of all, a parent and a child. The person in a subordinate position is faced with a painful choice of either give in giving in against his or her will, or failing a class, losing his or her job, or losing a significant relationship. It's a cruel dilemma that for many becomes a living nightmare that can cause irreparable damage of, to their lives. True, we no longer have slaves in our society. But we still have people with power who use it as selfishly and ruthlessly as Pontifar's wife. We now turn back to Joseph. If we put ourselves in his shoes now, we will see how great the cumulative pressure was on him. The great temptation that Joseph faced is the situation that many people face today. In Joseph's position, most people would have fallen away. However, Joseph did not. This leads us to the second point, the choice he made. After carefully consideration, Joseph responded to the immoral invitation and command of Pontifar's wife. Joseph refused her lustful advance. Our text says that Joseph refused. If Joseph was alive today, he would be seen as a strange man. Perhaps some even think Joseph was foolish to refuse such an opportunity. 
Into this world, idolatry is entertainment, and lust is openly advertised. By today's standards, Joseph must be considered old-fashioned. We tend to, we often tend to, get as close to sin as possible before we get off at the last menace. But the longer we say no, the harder it becomes. Instead of acting decisively, we flirt and see how far we can go without getting into trouble. This isn't very smart. When we debate the benefits of wrongdoing, we give the devil a foothold. The apostle John said, aim at not sin. He did not say, do not commit great sins, but never sin. In verses from 8b to 9, Joseph told his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything he has in my, in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Here, Joseph realistically calculated the cost. He did not just refuse to do a thing because it is wrong, although that should have been reason enough. He had a realistic view of what was at stake. First, Joseph saw this as a trampling on trust, a betrayal of trust. Pontifar trusted him. His trust was so great that he did not care about anything when Joseph was beside him. To yield to Lady Pontifar would be to treat this trust as if it were nothing. How could he do this to someone who had been so good to him? His credibility would be gone. His character would be destroyed. He has a strong sense of responsibility because of the magnitude of his duties. If he did this, not only would he lose the trust of his master, but everything he was responsible for would be taken away from him. If he cares for them, he couldn't care less. Consider this, when tempted to lust of eye and heart, which is idolatry, any mistake could risk losing the trust of those who depend on you and causes suffering to those you care for who are under your care. Your wife, your husband, your children, and your siblings. Pornography has been proven to destroy marriages and damage the human heart. In this modern age in which we live, pornography is openly accepted but that still does not mean it's moral. It will harm all souls. 
Joseph could have shirked his responsibility and said, this devil made me do it. He could have blamed the Potiphar's wife and said that 99 out of 100 men would have succumbed to his situation. But he did not do so. He took the blame before God and his boss. Second, Joseph believed his master did not withhold anything from him except this woman because she was his wife. Joseph saw that this affair would not only profoundly hurt his master, betray his trust, but also destroy, ruin his master's marriage. The law of marriage was established long before the law of Moses. Marriage was defined as a permanent union between a man and a woman for as long as they lived. Joseph knew he could have nothing he wanted in Pontifer's house except his wife because the woman belonged to his master. Third, this extramarital affair was a sin. The reason Joseph could not have sex with her was that he saw that in the eyes of God. It was said, great wickedness to have sex with her. He saw and felt the sinfulness of sin, and it acted as a defense in his soul. Joseph knew that idolatry was a great wickedness and a sin against God, even before he issued the Ten Commandments, the seventh of which reads, do not commit adultery. I say this to support the idea that these Ten Commandments contain God's moral and universal laws written on Adam's heart from the beginning. Finally, Joseph said that her temptation, if put into action, would be sin against God. You see, Joseph feared God. Even if this was done secretly, secretly, and Pontifer never found out, but God knew about it. Nothing can be hidden from God. Joseph realized that at the end of the day, ultimately this sin was not against Pontifer's wife, not against Pontifer, not against himself. Although he would have sinned in all of these things, in the end, the sin was always committed against God. Even if we think sin would be harmless or justified, we must remember that sin is fundamentally a direct personal rebellion against God himself. It would be, it would be a profound offense against God and his divine standards. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. It is what David said to God when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. We are told that sex outside of marriage 
it's okay because no one is harmed. But people do get hurt. And most importantly, God was offended. We have violated his commands about how to live. We ultimately offended him. How many of us would do things we shouldn't if we know no one was watching over or that we wouldn't get caught like Joseph? Do we find it unthinkable to offend God? When Pontifer's wife refused to accept Joseph's no and launched an ambush, Joseph ran away from her and she grabbed Joseph's garment. Verse 12 says, But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. The meaning here is not that he ran away naked, but that his outer coat was taken off. He left in his underwear. Instead, he would be disgraced in front of others, and then he then defiled in front of God. Joseph did what we should all do when faced with such a situation. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. This is what Paul commanded us in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Brothers and sisters, when you are controlled by sin, is this your mindset? Do you run away? Or do you tend to flirt? Do you play with sin to say how far you can go on the border line of morality? Or do you flee from the darkness to see how far you can go in the other direction towards the light? Now this brings us to the last point, the help he received. The Bible is filled with examples of people who failed to exist the temptation. And each story is a story of a broken heart and broken life. Why did Joseph remain so faithful amid such severe adversity? Why did Joseph have the ability to resist and escape the temptations that many others would have fallen into? What was his secret? In Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, and verse 3, verse 21, and verse 23, we are told repeatedly the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was close to him, and he was close to the Lord. At least eight times from Genesis, from chapter 37 to chapter 41, Moses emphasizes that the Lord was with Joseph despite his being sold into slavery, despite his being tempted by his master's wife, and despite Joseph's eventual incarceration. This phrase is essential. 
This phrase tells us that God remembered the covenant he made with Abraham and their promises therein. That God's covenant love for Joseph was steadfast and that Joseph's God, the God of Abraham, and certainly our God is faithful. The Lord was with Joseph does not mean that Joseph was protected from every temptation or, or did not have to face difficult choices. It simply means what it says that God was with Joseph. No matter what, sometimes God guides, sometimes God supports, sometimes God is just there, maybe hidden and silent. But there with us, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. This is the, this is the affirmation of Psalmist David. The valley is dark, and the shadow of death is real. This is undeniable. But God was with David. God is with Joseph and also with us today. Joseph resisted such a great temptation because of God's faithfulness and love. Joseph successfully resisted such a great temptation not because he was perfect, some, some saint, but because of the power of God and the Spirit of God at work in him. Joseph was a sinner like all men. Joseph could not stumble and fall in the face of such great temptation because the Lord was with him. The presence of God became a very precious to Joseph as he went through the suffering and loneliness of Egypt. For Joseph knew that God was sustaining and keeping him all the time. The will of God meant a lot to Joseph because God meant a lot to him. The young Joseph had a well-thought-out choice in Egypt. That is, to trust and rely on God, obey him and glorify him. For Joseph and us today, the secret of overcoming sin and temptation is to focus our lives on God. The closer we get to God and the more we love him, the more we can overcome sin and resist the temptation. To be close to God, you must have a regular Bible study, personal devotions, family worship time, be consistent in prayer, participate in Sunday's worship service, and actively fulfill your duties and obligations in the covenant. In addition, we must see Christ who died for us and set us free with the eyes of faith. We must have a living relationship with Christ. We must have the Spirit of Christ in us. Only through Jesus Christ 
can a person who leaves like a Pontiff's wife become a person who leaves like a Joseph, who leaves not to tempt others, but to resist the temptation and help those tempted as Jesus did. Brothers and sisters, the temptation to sin is everywhere. The story of Joseph and Pontiff's wife tells us that to be men and women of integrity, we must take seriously the fact that the Lord will be with us whenever we, we are where we go. Integrity and purity are in the details of life. The gospel is given for such a reason, to protect believers from sin and temptation and to make a people of integrity. The Lord provides a way to escape from every temptation, but one must run to the safety of Christ, of Christ's embrace through the way of escape. Brothers and sisters, in the battle against every temptation to sin, ask God to keep Joseph's character as yours. Let his strength of resisting temptation be yours. If you make efforts and use the strength of God as your shield, you will overcome all temptations and will become a person of integrity before God. Amen. profession of our Catholic undoubted Christian faith with the word of the Apostle Creed 
as is summarized in hymn one. to the Lord, after which we shall stand, sing in conclusion, and hymn 10, stand 1 and 2.
us receive blessing from above and depart in peace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.